the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back. Second hour of the Full Court Press. John Russell, AJ Salveson, Eric, gone but not dead, alive but not forgotten. He'll be back with us tomorrow. But I get the uh, the better of the half. I get John. Well, thank you. And if you ever call me AJ again, I will <laughs> kick you off our show, and you'll no longer be a part of it. Well, then it'll be John and the AJ show. Wow. See, so there you go. You know, your ungrateful attitude reminds me a lot of Eric, and that's, you know, when we get rid of Eric, it's to so I can forget about Eric. Well, Honestly, you can't Eric, do that, though. Eric's usually excited to call me to ask me to fill in for him because he needs a break from you periodically. But I know today he was disappointed because we got a special guest in studio. Absolutely. Uh John, you want to introduce him for us? You betcha. It's uh it's a pleasure. It's it's kind of odd. We're, you know, we we talked football the first uh the first hour, but it, it's hard to believe. I mean, we're right around the corner from basketball and we've got uh, Utah State women's basketball coach Jerry Finkbeiner. Coach, thank you. John, hey AJ, it's nice to be here. We just got off the practice floor. In fact, in fact, did I, you really? You're probably still on the floor right now, but uh, we're we're there. September 26th, the first official practice day. But us and the men are going individual workouts, team workouts, up to four hours a week with the kids. So we're 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 pretty much grinding it right now. You know, one thing I as I was doing a little prep for the show tonight, you're in your eighth year, aren't you? Or are you eighth coming year. up on ninth? Coming up on eighth. This is my eighth year. Crazy, yeah. Crazy. It seemed like uh, just yesterday, I think I might have been in the station here the opening week. I was mm-hmm. in Logan, Utah, Cache Valley, and you know what's up with Coach Fink coming from Oral Roberts University, and eight years later, and loss of a little bit of hair, gained about twenty <laughs> pounds, and here we go. Hey, Coach, want to ask you when you look at these five? You, I, think, I believe you said you got five new players coming on. What is the one thing that you are learning uh, about these new players, and who has stood out to you so far? Well, good question, AJ, and I probably it's a two or three fold answer on that. Um, we have an advantage this year with this particular team because we went to Mexico this summer. Uh, once every four years, the NCAA allows you to take an international trip. Uh, Cozumel, Mexico is my sweet spot. I love taking teams there. But to answer that question, just kind of right there, is that we have a chance to see them. We had 10 practice days uh, leading up to the trip, um, had about eight, nine days down there, played three games, put on two clinics. Had three or four practices in Cozumel, uh, and so now we're back uh, hitting the floor. So uh, these four freshmen and one transfer uh, came to us really to be backup players off the bench, but we had three transfers and two grads last year, and so these these freshmen are going to step in and play right away. And uh, I we, we recruited scoring, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that the high school stats will parlay themselves into college stats because – we recruited scoring players, and all five of these kids can score, can shoot the basketball. You know, I got a – Coach, when you came in, we we always asked our guests, you know, is there anything you want to bring up? And the first thing you said is we went to Cozumel, and the and the grin on your face was, was enormous. <laughs> so clearly that is a special place for you. And, and coming away with three victories in, in your matchups, I'm sure that helps. Uh, but but as a coach, what are you looking to find when you do that? Because I'd imagine it's not about going down and getting Ws. No, it's not, and uh, and that's uh, probably try to answer the same way. I can go an hour on this Cozumel trip that we took, uh, but historically, uh, many years ago as a college player, I was privileged to go uh, to Asia, to Australia, to Europe and play, South America, um, 
And as a college coach, probably on the average, I take my teams every four years at least. When I was a small college coach, we went every year. And saying that, John, is that I think you'll ask the girls here too, now or 20 years from now, what's the highlight of your experience at Utah State? And it's always been, almost exclusively, is the international trip we took. Uh, because of the things that we expose the girls to, we get them out of their comfort zone, um, we challenge them, put a little pressure on them, uh, eat a lot of guacamole, do a lot of tourist <laughs> stuff. I mean, everything is just jam-packed into eight days, and uh, we come home tired. And, uh, you know, uh, for the girls, uh, we put them in place of, of service. Uh, we work with the underprivileged kids when we go, put on clinics. We put them in place of uh, being ambassadors of the game, uh, do coaches clinics, uh, basketball clinics. Um, we make them as ambassadors of, of America, of Utah State, how we present ourselves, how we look, how we walk around in, 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 the, in the plazas of the town. So it, it's just all kinds of things happening there. And then probably the biggest thing, that uh, biggest uh, really value of this trip is, yes, we played a lot of ball, got a lot of practice in, but we put the girls in a position where they're serving other people. And uh, they, they see uh, people that don't have as much as we have, and they become more appreciative of American life. They become more appreciative of Utah State University and what we give these kids. Um, and it just really rounds out, I think, a total student-athlete uh, experience because um, we try to recruit student-athletes, you know, kids that are both successful in the classroom and the playing court. But in today's world, a lot of these kids are really spoiled, and yep. they've, been, they've been, you know, hand-fed uh, most of their lives as athletes. So – we put them in a position where there is that that exposure to uh, you're a, a privileged group, you're a blessed group, uh, you're you're a, a group that's given a lot. How much can you give back? And so these experiences really build on team chemistry, build on maturity. And technically, yes, we have a young team this year, but this trip really springs loads us into a season that we're we're about three months ahead of what we could have been with this uh, ten practice day, eight day trip to Mexico. And I would imagine not only with this trip helping out, uh, real successful season last night. Uh, excuse me, last last year you ended up uh, was it eighteen and seventeen or seventeen? Uh, uh, 17, 16, 17 and sixteen, and ten and eight in conference, ten and eight yep. in conference. Yep. And you had an opportunity to play into the postseason. You get a victory there. Um, you know, we talk about it here on the station. Uh, a lot of a lot of the so called experts. I'm giving my air quotes here. But how important was it to have those extra practices and have that extra game beyond uh, Mountain West play? Well, for an experienced team, it'd be about uh, just maturity and, and and the pressure experience of playing another country. Uh, for a young team like we have, saying you know five new players and what they bring to us, it's just it's all about um, probably the Division One style. You know mm-hmm. how you walk, how you compete. Uh, how we play our exposure, our game plan. So that's kind of why we're three months ahead. Even with this, you know, three week experience, we're three months ahead because it was really a compressed environment of basketball, of culture, of team building. We brought a former player of mine, a grad assistant of mine, played at the University of Oklahoma, and her job every morning met for an hour with the girls, talked about goal sets and team uh, team chemistry and team building. So we really attacked the total person in a lot of different dimensional ways, you know, and coming back. So I think we have a, a different group of young women uh, taking the floor that maybe would have been if they didn't have this experience. Yeah. Great opportunity. Uh, we're, we're visiting with uh, Utah state women's basketball coach, 
Jerry Finkbeiner, we appreciate his time. Uh, we're going to talk about transfers in a little bit because you can't talk college basketball, men's or women's, without talking about transfers anymore. But I'm, I'm just curious as far as you've got a young team, are there some players, did, did somebody step up? Do you have somebody kind of stepping into that role? Because some of the players that you've lost this last year were your senior players who I assume were providing leadership, direction, uh, have some other players stepped up into that, or are you waiting to see for that happen? Yeah, we had uh, John. Uh, we I I forgot the exact number. We lost some like 88 percent of our minutes and eighty eight percent of our stats. And yeah. <laughs> coach, how are you going to survive this year? But uh, Marlene uh, from Africa, I can't spell her. I can't see her last name even yet <laughs> after two years of coaching her. Uh, and then Haley Bassett, our local Utah girl, our post players. They're going to. They've elevated themselves where they're going to take the floor early on and really lead our group. Our guard spots are a little, a little bit less experienced. We lost some guards last year, but I'll tell you what, we're more talented at the guard spot this year than we have been. So when our guards can kind of catch up, maybe the early uh, season leadership of, of Haley and Marlene at the post, uh, we're, we're going to be just fine. We're going to be okay. Uh, probably a, a player that I wish our Cash Valley people could watch this year, uh, Shyla Latone a transfer from Cleveland State. I recruited her out of high school. We lost her out to Cleveland State for one year. She called me last spring and said, Coach, I made a bad decision. Can I come back to Utah State? The reason why I bring her up, um, she scored 76 points in one high school game in San Diego. Oh, my gosh. She's five foot four, uh, 115 pounds. I mean, uh, not much of a, of a body out there as far as weight and mass, but uh, the girl can shoot. She can play. Averaged 43 points her senior in high school. We tried to get a transfer waiver on her. It didn't go through, so she's got to sit up that one year of transfer. But that's something to look forward for Cash Valley. Talking about recruiting shooters, uh, she's one of that group. And the other four, I can mention all their names right now, but I won't. It's a group that can shoot, can score, and can compete. It's just uh, you know that experience of Cozumel is, is elevated them quickly, but they still have more to learn. But they're going to be okay. We're going to be okay at the guard spot. Hey, Coach, I want to ask you, when, when you go to recruits' houses or when you go into transfers' houses and you talk to them, what's your message of why they should come to Utah State and play basketball here at this university? Yeah, good question, uh, Ajay. Just, uh, you know, we, as I mentioned earlier, it's, I'm all about the student-athlete. I'm all about getting a kid that can, can compete in the classroom, too, and can represent our university and win games at the same time. So we're looking for that kind of package. We're trying to inspire that package and uh, and and have kids kind of magnet towards us with the, in the, in that in that frame. But it, there's a lot of uh, young women we meet, a lot of parents, a lot of families. And as the process proceeds through sophomore year, junior year, senior year, official visits, it, it's a quite a process. It takes a lot of time. Uh, NCAA rules prohibit me of of who we're uh, going to sign this fall, but. Our, our locals will be very happy with our, our signing. We had two verbals over the weekend. We had one this past summer. Uh, it's a very good class coming in. I'm very excited to announce this group uh, first week of November. So we'll just have to wait. There's there's about as – you should be that's on the radio. That's a tease right there. That's a teaser if I've ever heard one. Well, I, I'm trying to also prompt myself to come back here, John, RJ. So, yeah. We'll, we'll get you back. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll do that. Deal, deal. Um, you know, I always want to – one of the things that, that I always wanted to represent was how, what good students we have here. And I think last year you had uh, nine players that were academic all Mountain West and four that were uh, Mountain West scholar athletes. And that, that 
with the work you put them through, I mean, that just goes to show the quality uh, of, of athlete that you're bringing in that they can carry both, both sides. It is. And I, John, I appreciate you bringing that up because uh, we have a 3.4, I believe, cumulative as a team. Um, and, uh, you know, philosophically, I, I think I probably have the least amount of, of rules on our kids than most coaches have around the country because there's a trust factor. Uh, some of us, Cozumel's built into it. Um, but there's a trust factor and, and I think good students know where to study, how to study, when to study. So I don't put a whole lot of rules onto them. Um, but there, there's a good, you know, we, we're, we're a low drama team. We're a low baggage team. And that's part of a recruiting talk. AJ is these kids coming in and a lot of, uh, a lot of young women respond to that. And, and, and the kids that do, they're the ones we want to get verbal and sign on with us. And, but yes, yeah, so a good, good academic group and, uh, I think we have, we're onto something right now too with this with this group here, and the and the three or four that are coming in next year is that there there's a core group uh, that also can win basketball games and hopefully we can keep them for four years. Yeah, that that would be nice. <laughs> um, you know, there's the great segue. I had, I had a couple other questions. Yep. Did you have something, Ajay? Uh, well, I'll go ahead and ask my question actually after at the end. It's more of a closing question. If okay, anything, fair enough. With all respect, um, let let's talk about the whole transfer situation. Um, uh, unfortunately, Utah State's lost not just a couple of players last year, but they've lost top players in the last yeah. two or three of the two of the last three years. Um, and and I know that in talking to you in the past, one of the things that you've talked about is kind of building that continuity where you can have where you can have some girls that come in and they're there for three years. That fourth year, they're kind of the leader and they're helping you know, bringing the younger girls along and helping them to ex- understand what it's like to be a division one college basketball player. Um, what's man, what's happening. <laughs> that's good. You know, and that's a very fair question uh, because it's all around the NCAA. Uh, I think uh, on the average 2.8 transfers per year per program around the country, we lost three last year. So we're right. At the average, nothing abnormal here. Um, pretty normal, but I, I'd like to keep that, I'd like to lessen that because it's all about continuity, as you said. As players get older, they provide the leadership, they provide the core, they provide the maturity, they provide the been there and done that type of feel and how they walk. Uh, you know, we lost a kid three, four, four years ago to Florida who led the SEC in scoring. Uh, what if we had her for her junior and senior year? Last year, we lost Shannon Duffesey to Missouri, who's odds on favor to be Mountain West Player of the Year this year. Uh, lost her for her senior year. And so, you know, it, it's a hit to the program. And there's some philosophical things I really can't say on the radio, but uh, <laughs> it, it's it's kind of the sign of the times, basically. Um, the, is the grass greener on the other side of the fence? I, I, I venture to say most of the time, if it is, it's AstroTurf. You know, it's not, <laughs> not good green grass to chew on. And I've, I've had players transfer before uh, other programs, but it's now kind of a, a thing that the NCAA is – their backs against the wall, and they've kind of provided avenues to where it's easier to transfer now. Uh, they're eligible quicker, less penalty, um, and so it's just a sign of the times. I think the women have kind of caught up with the men. The men had this problem really jump out about three years ago. Now it's it's here with the women too, and it's too bad. It's too bad. It hurts local programs. I think it really hurts mid-level programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really does for us because we develop kids hard, and that's a big part of what we are. We're, we're really developed program within the system and we developed these kids where they're getting 19 points 12 rebounds a game head in the senior year and they're gone and so it, it's a killer but at the same time uh there's no there's no excuse aside that's a sign of the times and uh 
I'm really happy that we took this trip to Cosmo. Gets back to that. That's that's the backbone of our of our program anyway. But in in today's world, trips like this really help us overcome those kind of obstacles that we're faced with. Sure. No, and and they're much needed. Uh, you know, as a coach, and and you'll you can dance the line here as to what you can say and what you can't. But how do you keep the kid here? Because some of them, I mean, they're they're just some that they're gone regardless. Uh, they want to see the other, like you said, they want to, you know, see if the grass really is greener. Uh, there's some that come here to the program and and just realize they want more time and they're not going to get it here for whatever reason. Uh, but as a coach, you you obviously that's that's your challenge. How do you keep a kid here that you want to stay here and you can see that you've gotten better? I can make you even better from where you were this year. What what do you do? Yep. That's a good question. Uh, the kind of depth and the breadth of that answer would be everything from how does Utah State and Cache Valley receive and accept and market, you know, our female athletes. That's that's one thing. Uh, another one would be uh, uh, that we instituted last summer. In fact, it takes a lot of time and effort, but we call it what we call Aggie Adventures. And every other every weekend, every other weekend throughout the summer, we do something in the mountains, whether it be. Uh, Floating down the river over the narrows up and across the border, uh, uh, hike, uh, ride horses, ATV. Try to give the girls an appreciation of Cache Valley and what it can offer. You know, a lot of other uh, locales, it's it's about taverns and dances and things that we just can't do here in Logan. And, yep. you know, some girls, some boys think that's part of the college experience. So I, I think part of the college experience here at Utah State is to experience the outdoor life and what the valley, what northern Utah can give them. So we're exposing them to that element in their summers. So when the, when the time gets a little boring, when it kind of gets down to the finals week and about everybody ready to go home, there's something to do here in Cache Valley. So that, that's, that's a part too. They're, they're, we've, we're trying to find the answer, and, and, and uh, there are hard answers to come by, but uh, I think we're on to something with the Aggie Adventures, this Mexico trip. Uh, I know our university is trying to do more for our women athletes, female athletes, uh, more we, we can give them, how we can market them. And uh, it, it's an ongoing challenge. There's no question about it. So, yeah. Coach, final question for me on this topic alone. Uh, so, when Shannon Duffesey transfers, did she give you any clear-cut reason? Really good question. Uh, <laughs> Shannon was one of my favorite players to coach. Uh, you know, and I say favorite. I, I got, let's be politically correct, I have 13 favorite players. <laughs> yeah, coach. Yeah. But, but Shannon was a special player. And, and, and we, you know, we had a good uh, head coach uh, player relationship. And, it, it was not a. It was a tearful uh, parting. Um, it was a tough decision for her. Um, but no, I. And what's frustrating for me, AJ, is that there was not a clear cut answer that we can go on and we can mm. prevent another player in the future for transferring for this reason, whatever it may be. There was not a clear cut reason. And so uh, life moves on. And uh, you know, I think in the end, uh, it's a teachable moment for everybody. Everybody's replaceable. Everybody forgets about you know a year down the road one month down the road with social media and everything that's going to play is that life moves on pretty quickly too. I want to get into next season because uh, we've, we've got basketball right around the corner. Uh, you said official practices start September 26th where we know it will, we'll be out there uh, on the court uh, looking forward to that. But I wanted to, to follow up on something you mentioned uh, the attitude uh, of in the culture of the community how has that changed? Here's your chance to kind of plead to to Cash Valley folks. Has it changed in the eight years you've been here? You know, um, 
it, it hasn't and it hasn't, and there's no no excuses, no apologies, anything. It's just it's kind of a we've got to win basketball games too, and so it's kind of like what comes first, the chicken or the or the egg. Um, what's hurting our continuity with winning basketball games is key kids leaving. Mm-hmm. Why are key kids leaving? Well, what are we doing for them? And so it's kind of the chicken and the egg. Uh, we haven't broken through and got that twenty game win season yet. We've got we got a three or four winning seasons, but it's a league championship that will help out. We got to do our part. Um, you know, I think when the, uh, a really direct answer to that question, John, is when Shannon left, nobody in the Valley really knew about it. It's kind of good because I don't want that kind of attention on us, but it's kind of bad because there wasn't that much investment into Shannon Duffesy, you know? So, uh, again, another chicken and egg, how do you answer that question? But, uh, Utah state is a really good place to work. Uh, I love recruiting girls here. Um, last year we were 10 and eight. Um, we're the only team in the conference to beat Boise State and Wyoming, who were number one and two in the conference. We're the only team to beat them. So in theory, with team returning this year, we might be the team. But we step back and we kind of start over again. So it's the challenge of the job. Uh, again, um, the, these girls are verbal with us early on here. And, uh, you know, who, who they are coming in here. We're, we're getting there. It's, it's, it's a tall mountain. We've been pushed down a couple of times, but we're still climbing. So, Ajay, remember, November 1st, <laughs> Coach Pinkmeyer's back here. He's right here. It works. So hey, we're, we're, <laughs> Coach, i got to ask you, well, this schedule is, is is really actually unique. I mean, you're at Oregon, which is also is always a tough place to play, at BYU, and that's that's always a fun one. That's an 11 a.m. game, by the way, on Tuesday, November 26th. Uh, Dixie State, uh, you got some great teams on this schedule in non-conference. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, Oregon is picked to win the NCAA this year. Uh, they played wow. here last year, so some of our Cash Valley uh, fans of basketball missed the one of the top teams in the country last year here at our, our floor. We returned that game. We're at Oregon State, who's a top ten team um, at BYU, obviously. And then we have a I can't recall right now. You kind of caught me a little bit off guard coming off the practice floor, but yeah. we have a pretty good home schedule. North Texas coming in. Yep. Um, uh, I don't know, Ajay, if you had it in front of you, but uh, it's a good mix this year. It's a very fair. Uh, schedule Dixie State here as Dixie well. Dixie State, good new one. Division One program now, and uh, I tell you, the BYU. I've put them seven times now. We've had one game that wasn't hung in the balance in the last thirty seconds, um, and so double overtime, single overtimes. Uh, last year they beat us in double overtime here, and really a weird thing happened. Never happened to me as a coach before, but with about 35, 40 seconds left, we're ahead by two, and we foul them. They made. The, the bonus one and one. They got two free throws out of it. There was a timeout. After the timeout, the referees called us back out, and they got two more free throws. And because of that, we went overtime and another oh, that's overtime. that's right. Lost. So really, you I know. I remember if, this. Yeah, we looked at each other. What's going on here? And they actually got four free throws uh, in a row. But uh, so strange thing happened there. But uh, healthy rival with BYU. Love their coaching staff. And we're looking forward to that game on the road uh, down there this year in Provo. All right, quick follow-up question to that. What can you learn from games like that of at BYU? I mean, especially playing your rival and, and having that close, you know, I guess those close games and then playing at Oregon. What do you learn the most from of your girls on the, on the court? Yeah, love, uh, we any road trip, we always treat it like a business trip. We're representing the university, but it, we're, we're trying to win a ball game. So everything's centered around, you know, how do, how do you work on the road in this business of, of winning games? So, uh, it, it's a process of three months to coming into March. Um, last year we won in Provo. 
They beat us up here in overtime, double overtime this year. Uh, great rivalry, but those games playing a high-level opponents that have NCAA experience, there's things we can learn from them. We can learn from their fan base and in those pressure situations. And I, I look forward to this whole season. Um, I think this team has a chance for March Madness this year. Um, and, uh, hey, you know, come support the, the women Aggies. Lady a. I'll give this one play for women's basketball. I'm a basketball junkie. I played. My dad's a coach. I love watching men's basketball, especially on TV. I love watching women's basketball, especially in the arena. And I challenge our Cash Valley fans to come out and watch us live. There's some emotion you don't see on the men's side. There's some fundamentals you don't see on the men's side. The men play over the rim. We play under the rim. Two two completely different games. But if you're a basketball junkie, uh, you should appreciate both both kinds of games. It is. It, two different games. Uh, we're, I got just a couple more questions, yeah. and we're going to let you out. You made the mistake of saying we had as much time as we need. Um, <laughs> I always want to give the coaches a, a chance, especially basketball. Uh, you got a new uh, assistant coach with you this year, but if you don't mind, quick rundown of your assistant coaches and their responsibilities. Good. Really good question. Appreciate that. Uh, ben Finkbeiner, we have the same name. Uh, we are related. He's my associate head coach. Been here with me for four, going on five years now. Um, he's in charge of our offense this year. Moved him over the offense. I'm kind of treating like a men's, like a football staff. I'm going to be kind of the the head coach role. I got two coordinators. Ben will be on the offensive side. We're going to try to do more up tempo this year. Coach Rod Jensen, we call him Coach J, actually was a former Boise State men's coach back uh, 15, 20 years ago. About my age group. I won't say what age that is, <laughs> but uh, a very uh, enthusiastic, high energy defensive coach. We have both those covered. Both those positions covered really well, offensive, defense. Ashley Gill, second year from Washington State, uh, like myself, will kind of go back and forth with the offense and the defense. Uh, really a good staff, very mature staff, a trusting staff for our girls and vice versa. Um, uh, we've got those bases covered there on the staff. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, when I first sat down and talked with you a few years ago, you talked about you wanted a very up-tempo offense. You wanted the ball going – you know, up and down the court, good solid D, good pressure offense to, to, you know, make the other team do their thing. You see that similar type of offense, simple type of game plan, or are you going to change things up with well, this? Tell you, John, that, that's, whether you know it or not, that's a loaded question. Uh, I did come <laughs> with that in mind, and we haven't been able to establish that. Um, some of it's through recruiting, some of it's losing kids, but this year's team may be the closest we have to that kind of philosophy, and we've really had to back off through the years with younger teams revolving in and out, in and out, and have to kind of teach and coach at the fundamental level. But, um, again, the Mexico trip kind of gives some things we couldn't do uh, uh, in a basketball, you know, schedule practice calendar time. But uh, And with these young guards coming in that can shoot the ball, we will do more up-tempo. So last year I think we averaged about 60 points a game. I'm hoping average about 75 points a game push the tempo. And again, we do have some confidence filling over from last year, beating Wyoming and Boise State. So we're a little bit of been there and done that, but can we now we be a more consistent team, game in and game out, not get beat by the bottom half of the teams, but beat the bottom half and the top half, then your position you want to be at the end of the year. You bet. Hey, Coach, thank you so much for your time. Grateful to have you on our show. As always, it's a yearly tradition. We will get you back on, too. Uh, wish you the best this season, um, and we will – and by the way, people, pick up your tickets. Use us at utahstateaggies.com. Go to the ticket office and support this women's basketball team. Uh, should be another fun season with a great schedule. Yeah, that's Coach great. Jerry Finkbein. Yeah, 
John, I listen to Craig and Al on the way to work, and I listen to you guys on the way back. So there you go. Well, that's an unhealthy mix. I don't oh, encourage it to anybody. <laughs> appreciate it. Thanks for Thanks. joining Thanks. us. Go Aggies. Uh, as Coach Finkmeyer, USU Women's Head Basketball Coach, again, pick up your tickets at utahstateaggies.com. Coming up next, we'll stick with Utah State basketball, uh, and we'll uh, we'll get more into the USU men's basketball side as they have released their schedule. It's John Russell and Magic Salveson here on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. I can see it in your eyes, taste it in our first kiss. John Russell, LJ Salveson, 531 your time here, second hour of the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Uh, big thanks to uh, Coach Finkbarner for joining us here. You know... You have to ask him the tough questions. You have to say, look, your best players are leaving. We want to know why. The fans want to know why. And and that's what we did. And, you know, he he answered him, I guess. Yes. It, um, to, to a coach's perspective, he answered him. But, I mean, I, you know, I don't know what thing. else to do, man. Well, here's the thing I look at. You, you look at it both men's and women's side. Is that it? it, it, is, it is more now the norm for somebody to leave yeah. than it is for them to stick around. Yeah. And, and I think that here at Utah State, I mean, we're so invested in the program. Uh, you know, Aggie fans love their Aggie sports. And when somebody leaves, it's, uh, you know, it's a personal attack. It's, well, why, why aren't you staying in Cash Valley? Um, the two top players that the Aggies have lost, the women's team in the last couple of years, uh, Funda Nakasoglu went to Florida. And uh, Shannon Duffy's going to Missouri. They're going to P five schools. Now I don't know the reason. Yeah, but that's, on, that's... on the surface, they're they're getting a chance to play at a higher level of ball. So so what can you say? Uh, Kobe McEwen left the men's program, went to Marquette. The argument would be there. Hey man, he he left to go from from Mountain West play to uh, to a top tier team that's traditionally uh, you know in in the NCAA tournament. We'll, we'll see what happens. But it, it, it hurts, especially as, as Coach Finkbeiner oh, yeah. was saying, is, is how can the team I like your question get better? How do you keep them? Yeah. What do you do to keep them now? And if he, yeah. And, and that's, I mean, that's that's got to be the battle. And if he had the answer, he'd probably quit coaching, write a book, and be a multimillionaire because <laughs> every coach would love to have that. Yeah. But we appreciate him coming down, spending a little nah, time with us. And, uh, yeah, you're going to have to get him back on November 1st when we can get all these uh, signings made official. You can find this interview on uh, all our podcast platforms. You can type in the Full Court Press. My name is John Name on Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, and we'll also have our show posted here uh, after uh, the uh, our second hour. So uh, one of the things, though, that was impressive is that when you look at their program and their schedule, they have a pretty legit schedule. A lot of the big-name games are on the road this year. Uh, he, he made a good point. Oregon was in here last year, and, and it's a shame there weren't more fans out there watching that game. You had a legitimate Final Four program in the spectrum, and I, I don't think people realize that. Uh, this year they're they're returning it. They're at Oregon State at BYU, uh, but it's still it's a different. I, I love his explanation. It's a different style of game. Men play above the rim, women play under the rim, but it's a different game. And uh, so yeah, get your tickets, get out there, check them out. 
All right, let's turn our heads to the other side of the uh, the specter of the spectrum. It's the USU Ooh. men's basketball schedule. You like you've, that? you've been saving that all night, haven't you? I have, since lunch. Uh, the 2019-2020 uh, schedule has been announced. Now, the, the side note, there's two more games left. And, John, if I'm not mistaken, they're to be in December, and they're both at home. Correct. Is that correct? That is correct. But their schedule is saucy nonetheless, especially in non-conference. Uh, let's start here. October 30th, we'll have an exhibition game versus College of Idaho. November 5th and November 8th and November 12th and 15th and 18th. So 5th, 8th, 12th, 15th, and 18th of November are all home games. Montana State, Weber State, Denver, North Carolina A&T, and uh, UTSA, which is uh, University of Texas San Antonio. Correct. Uh, they then head to Jamaica on November 22nd. Where they'll face LSU, and on and then on November twenty fourth, which is by the way the weekend of the Boise State Broncos football team visits uh, Maverick Field, or excuse me Maverick Stadium. Uh, they'll have North Texas as well in Montego Bay. November 29th, they're at St. Mary's before they hit in a conference play early, early, early conference play. December fourth and seventh at San Jose State, and then December seventh Saturday versus Fresno at home. On December fourteenth. They play BYU in the Beehive Classic. Uh, by the way, as official, Yuli Childs will not be available for that game Ooh, yet. I hadn't heard that. That will be a part of suspension, so he will not be there. Uh, so in the Beehive Classic, will be Utah State versus BYU December 14th. That's a 5 p.m. tip-off, by the way. It's been announced uh, for that game. December 18th will be at the Toyota Center, home of the Houston Rockets versus South Florida. What a horrible trip for Florida, by the way, to have to come all the way to <laughs> Texas. They then, and then that's December 18th, and then Utah State returns the favor by heading to Sunrise, Florida, and taking on the Florida Gators of the SEC. And then it's conference play, January 1st at UNLV. The fourth will be San Diego State at home. Uh, remember, they didn't play San Diego State till midway through the year last year. Uh, then there'll be January 11th, Nevada at home before they go to Boise, and then Air Force at home. It'll be the two weeks, uh, two games a week uh, special. Uh, you'll have Nevada and Boise State. The following week will be Air Force and Colorado State at home before you head to Wyoming and San Diego State, January 28th and February 1st. Uh, 5th and 8th will be home games versus UNLV and Boise State. 11th and 15th will be at Colorado State and at Fresno State. 19th and 25th will be Wyoming and San Jose State at home before they have at New Mexico on February 29th. Again, remember... Two more home games are anticipated to be added to the month of December. You can find these games and this schedule on utahstateaggies.com from the men's basketball, and you'll find their schedule. John, the schedule when you see it. Well, first of all, when I look at it, adding two more games in November or December, that's going to be a hefty schedule because they already have five games scheduled in December, and they usually kind of – uh, you know, try to relax things a little bit around Christmas so family, you know, they can get together with family. Uh, what I like is just basically looking at the teams that are on the schedule. You're seeing a whole slew of different types of teams. You're seeing a whole different type of gameplay. And you're seeing teams that will prepare you for the uh, Mountain West Tournament and the NCAA Tournament, which is ultimately what your end objective is. You want to be prepared so that going into the Mountain West Tournament, you're ready for the competition. And then after you come out as champions, yes, I just said as you come out as champions, then you're ready to go to the NCAA Tournament and to be ready. Last year, despite a decent schedule, I don't think Utah State was ready for Washington. I, I just don't think they were ready for what they were about to see. It was a whole different ball game This year... 
you look at what they've got and there's there's a lot of things in the teams that they're playing. You're seeing LSU, St. Mary's, uh, BYU on a neutral court, South Florida, Florida. Those are all teams that are going to prepare you. But you're also seeing them play on a lot of neutral sites, which I like because that's the environment that you're going to be playing in. And uh, I, I just love the way the schedule's put together. I love the the teams that are on the schedule, and I think it's it's exactly what Coach Smith wants to prepare these guys for another run in the Mountain West tournament and another NCAA uh, bid. Here's my question for you: When <laughs> would you rather be at Maverick Stadium, eight thirty game at night, late November? Boise State, Utah State <laughs> with something on the line for the Mountain West Championship or be in Jamaica watching USU men's basketball? Oof. Well, for, for the, you know, those of us that are not independently wealthy like you are, we don't have the choice. We're going to be here because oh, we'll not be uh, hobnobbing with all the good folks in, uh, in Jamaica. No, that's, that, that's a great point. And, I, and, and really, I think a lot of that depends on what's on the line. Uh, if this game in Maverick means something, and if there is something on the line, I think you're going to see uh, the stadium packed. I'll tell you, the first year we I lived hope. here. Well, the first year, the it blew me away. The first year uh, that I lived here, Boise State came here and played uh, in, in Romney Stadium at that point in mm-hmm. time. And what, what astounded me is I was standing in my work, at my work, looking out the window, and I couldn't believe all the Boise State flags driving around. People had come down for the game. Floored me. I don't want to see that anymore. And and here's the situation is whether the game means something or not. Aggie fans need to get out there and, and, and fill the stadium up. I don't want to see that blue and orange. That drives me nuts. But it is a situation where the Aggies should be in a situation with the football team that that should mean something. There should be something on the line. And um, so, yeah, I'll I'll have my hot chocolate and my parka and my hand warmers and foot warmers and, you know, freezing it up. But, yeah, I'll be listening uh, to see how the Aggies do in Jamaica, and hopefully that'll make me feel a little warmer. Uh, again, the USU men's basketball schedule has been announced. There are no times on the games yet except for just a few, including the tournament in Jamaica, as well as the uh, Florida game, or excuse me, yeah, the Florida game and the one in South Houston, Texas versus South Florida. Remember, 5 p.m. for the Beehive tip-off uh, versus BYU on December 14th. So uh, you can find that schedule on utahstateaggies.com. You know, one of the things you have to look at, and we need to step aside here for a second because I want to I want to get your player of the week. and uh, Oh, yeah, we steps. still have that, We want to huh? get that done. I totally spaced out Since on that. Since I did my research, unlike you. Who, oh, stop. You know, I did my research. I just didn't remember. I saw you were watching Ariana Grande or something on the, on the – Okay, it was Rihanna, first of all, okay. so get it right. I don't, I'm not 13. I'm, I'm just, that's too easy. I'm going to let that one go. <laughs> um, we'll just let that. You know, the basketball schedule, though, does play nicely into the Aggies' hands. You know, we talked about football and that we don't have the easier teams on the schedule. Basketball, I think we only play New Mexico once. Yes, and, that is correct. And that's, you know, that's always a tough matchup. It is in Albuquerque, so I hate to see oh, that. Oh, we only play Nevada once, too. And we only play Nevada once at home. So uh, with with what we struggled with uh, on the football side, we're getting a little bit of a break. But basketball also a little different. So, um, 
Uh, Of course, again, John Russell joining me. He does the pre and post for Utah State men's basketball. Post. Oh, okay. Sorry. Post game for USU basketball, but breaks the games down better than anybody else. I swear I heard you on a pregame once. Uh, But I want to get your thoughts on this USU men's basketball team. I know it's just a brief. We're still a ways away from uh, October 30th, I believe, when their exhibition is going to take place. Uh, when you see this team, uh, the the whole like idea of repeating as Mount West champs blows everybody's yeah. minds, right? I mean, we went from mediocre program for like the last three four years to all of a sudden Mount West champs, NCAA appearance, and people are expecting a repeat, a copycat performance. Is that is that asking too much though? Well, this goes back to when we were doing our show prep earlier. We were talking about the football team. And we were talking about uh, Colorado State. You know, that's a team that looks at Utah State and wants to beat us every year. You know, and and I feel I have a feeling there's you know, especially the way things turned out last year. There, you know, there there'll be a little extra edge uh, them wanting to come in. But the bigger thing is, it used to be Utah State would sit down with the calendar and they would circle teams. And well, obviously we always want to beat you, uh, Boise, so we're going to circle them. Well, Wyoming snuck one out last year. We want to get revenge. We're going to circle. The problem is now Utah State football wise is the one that's getting circled. People are seeing we beat Utah State. That will be the mark of a successful season. If we can do all the other things we want to do and beat Utah State, that's a successful season. Problem with the basketball team, nobody's going to sneak up on us. I don't think there's another Kata that's a question mark coming into the season that's going to have the type of season like he did. Now, hopefully I'm wrong, and hopefully there is one of the new guys that's going to come in and say, this guy's got potential, and then he blows up. People know who Sam Merrill is. That's scouting number one. You're sitting down with the coach and saying, okay, how are we going to stop Sam? Um, Diego Diego Brito. And Justin Bean, by the way, is no secret anymore either. Oh, no kidding. Oh, (laughs) I I just got a little tear in my eye thinking about Justin. Yeah, I mean, there are guys that they're going to step up and, and that stepped up last year that were unexpected. Now they're sitting down and they're saying, okay, number one, how are we going to slow Sam down? Okay, how are we going to defend Kata in the post? What are we going to do with his athleticism? But now it's also, okay, we know that Brito's a threat because we've seen him score when we've clamped down on Sam a little bit. We know that Justin Bean is the best rebounder in the Mountain West. These things are known. So who's going to step up? That's the question to be seen, but again, going back to the, the the analogy with football, is people are people are not looking at Utah State going, oh man, we've got Nevada, and then Utah State, and then after that we have San Diego State. So okay, we'll, we'll psych ourselves up for Nevada. We should have it easy against Utah State, and we can prep in advance for San Diego State. Now we're that team that they're prepping for. We're now the team that teams are saying, don't look past Wyoming. Don't look past Colorado State because you got Utah State coming up. You got to be focused. It's John Russell. I'm Audrey Salveson. You're listening to the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Coming back, uh, we do have our stat. That blew our mind. We have our player of the week. And I want to get into a quick conversation about an NBA player, former NBA player, Hall of Fame player, that was incredibly – we talked about Antonio Brown – this guy was incredibly misunderstood, lived a wild life, but was one of the best to ever play the game. We'll find out who you're talking about. 
Mexico. John Russell, Audrey Salveson here on the Full Court Press. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. John Russell, LJ Salveson, it's 549 your time here on a Tuesday, September 10th. Tomorrow we'll take some time to remember those who sacrificed and gave their lives for us to uh, be able to do what we do. Uh, for those who have served or are serving um, or will be serving, we want to thank you from the Balmer Hearts for uh, all you do for our country. We greatly appreciate you. Uh, John, it's time to get into our stat and player. Uh, our stat that blew our mind, our player of the week, it is Tuesday. Uh, so let's, let, I mean, where do we want to start? Do you want to start with player first? Yeah, let's do player. Okay. Do you want to go first? And and I I give him my player of the week simply for his post-game comment. Not bad for running back. Lamar Jackson, quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. Really considered just a guy that, that, you know, was really a runner who happened to be under center. Guy ends up 17 for 20, 324 yards, five touchdowns. No interceptions. He had a quarterback rating of 99.4 and an overall rating of 158.3. And he ends up leading the Ravens to a Wait, wait. Did you say 158.3 so he was perfect? Yes. Perfect. Uh, So he leads the Ravens to a 59-10 win over the Miami Dolphins. (laughs) Player of the week there. <laughs> what about you? Uh, uh, Dak Prescott really stood out to me. I mean, this guy was just, I mean, getting burned by everybody because of Ezekiel Elliott didn't play. Dak yeah. Prescott was going to be, is going to be left up to him to be able to come through for him. And everyone said, well, there's no way in heck that's happening. So what does Zach Prescott do as a, as a shut up and dance with me performance? 25 of 32, four and five yards, four touchdowns. 25 of 32. And these aren't like dink and dunk passes. These are, I mean, he looked deep a lot. And he found uh, Amari Cooper a lot. I, I, I thought he was phenomenal. By the way, he, he found Michael Gallup for seven catches and 158 Yeah, he, he's was, like, pay me. Get ready to pay me. Yeah, You exactly. paid Zeke, you're going to pay me too. Yeah, he, he led that team. And I don't think it would have been any different if Zeke were not on the field. I think he was just absolutely stellar as, as well. Yeah. All right. Stats. You go first. Tom Brady versus Pittsburgh at home since 2001. You, you shake your head all you want. This is, this is sexy. 5-0. and oh, 36 points per game. And he's 141 of 196. 71% completion percentage if you can't do math, John. 1,797 yards total. 18 touchdowns, zero, zilch, nil interceptions. That is a 130.8 rate. Tom Brady versus Pittsburgh at home, regular season, postseason. He's 5-0, 18 18 touchdowns, zero picks, and a 130.8 rate. How do you like me now? I didn't realize we we were the uh, New England Patriots radio network. You're such a homer. Oh, shut up. You Eric does this all the time. Homer. Eric takes his Cubs and plugs it in on every one of these things. So don't. So and if you had a team, I'm sure you'd be happy to be able to do that. that hey, but you picked your buff, team that my sucks. My Buffalo Bills are 1-0. Thank you very much. Anyway, <laughs> I thought it was Chicago so Bears. Make up your mind right both. now. They're both. They're both. You can switch after week after week. I'm just like, oh, you know what? Today it's going to be Buffalo. So my stat of the day. Unreal. I'm going to make you think about this one a little bit. 
Uh, this is my stat. 56 for 79, 56 completions, 79 attempts, 711 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. That's my stat. You want to guess who that might be? Yeah, you, you won't be able to. Josh those, Allen. Those are the combined numbers for your man crush, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees. The significance of that, both are 40 or over. <laughs> it makes you think about, you know, you've got all these young guys, and, and there's some great young quarterbacks that are coming out. We talked about Dax Prescott. We talked about uh, Lamar Jackson. There's some great young. Kyler Murray had a horrific first three quarters, but played very oh, he well. Played that crap that first he he three. did, but played very well in the fourth <laughs> quarter. Thanks to Larry Fitzgerald, who I believe is also 40. If not, he's real close. But it just goes to show that when you are great, you are great whether you're 24 or 40. Uh, hats off to Tom Brady and Drew Brees for throwing up some some uh, phenomenal numbers and giving us old-timers a little hope. John, you still are not going to be as successful as Tom Brady no matter how hard you try, so quit. <laughs> I've I, called for it. Hey. Look, AJ. <laughs> um, Stop it. AJ, I, I don't appreciate that. There. Now. Oh, is your mic off? Oh, it is? Oh, I'm sorry. How did, that, how did that happen? Hey, really quickly, we got two minutes. I want to get into this. Dennis Robbins' 30 for 30 is tonight. That could be one of the most viewed 30 yes. for 30s ever that they've done. Dennis Rodman, the worm, was so, I mean, like, when you watched him in the 90s, you thought, dude, what the heck is this guy's problem? But then when you saw him on the court, do what he do. Do what he did. <laughs> Shut up. Speaking Indian. Uh, what do you keep looking at? I'm looking at the clock to make sure we don't go over, man. Okay, go ahead. Oh. Uh, Dennis Rodman, give me just a quick thought about him. When you watched him play, despite all the antics off the field, is he one of the most misunderstood athletes in sports history, yes or no? Court, yes. Off the court. Off the court, not the field. Yes. Look, here. here's the thing. Dennis Rodman, I would say arguably, was the greatest rebounder ever in basketball, arguably. He averaged 10 rebounds or more the last 10 years of his career. Granted, the last couple were injury-prone. But he, in 1980, what was it, 91, 92, averaged over 18, almost 19 rebounds a game. Watch this 30 for 30. It's going to be phenomenal. Oh, They're going to get beyond, I, I hope they do, because you're talking about one of the greatest defensive players, one of the greatest rebounders ever. That, that's the thing, is that people misunderstand how good he was. I mean, and, and by the way, that Netflix documentary of the 98-798 Bulls that's coming out next year, oh my <laughs> gosh. It's, I cannot it's wait to see Jordan and Pippen rip on Rodman and Phil rip on Jordan. Can't wait. Uh, big thanks to John Russell uh, for coming uh, and helping hey, us thanks, out. thanks, AJ. Appreciate Thank, you. Let me join you. Thanks to yet. Coach Fink-Biner for joining us. <laughs> and we'll talk to you tomorrow. It's an end in the middle of the Utah State who's on a bye week.